You're listening to the best of the day. Halford and Bruff. Whoa. Wait a minute. Huh? Hold up. What? Oh, okay. Did we just lose the f***ing Canucks? You're listening to Halford and Bruff. Zone center to Frank Kuzmenko scores! Andre Kuzmenko gets the overtime winner. Mr. Clutch has done it again. The Canucks win in Dallas. Yeah, he was a clutch guy. I mean, um, that's the thing. With a guy like him, you know, he was just okay tonight, and uh, but he comes up with a big goal. He's had a mixed season. Good morning, Vancouver. 601 on a Tuesday. Happy Tuesday, everybody. It is Halford. It is Prof. It is Sportsnet. 650 and we are coming to you live from the Kintech studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. Jason, good morning. Good morning. Adog, good morning to you. Good morning. McLaddie, good morning to you. Hello, hello. That was pretty good. Big show ahead on the Halford and Bruff Experience on a Tuesday. Guest list begins at 6.30. Greg Wyshynski is going to join us. So we'll whip around the NHL in a very special week because it's trade deadline week. Although starting to get not not, not really apprehensive. But a little apprehensive because we're actually doing an extra hour of programming on Friday. And I'm worried that all the trades are going to be made. Not some of the trades, but all the trades are going to be made before then. Wish has got an article up at ESPN that says uh, it's headlined, How to Ace the NHL Trade Deadline 10 must-follow rules hmm. for general managers. Well, there we go. That'll mm-hmm. be something to chat about. So did, we'll it, talk- did everyone hear uh, Halford's laptop there? It's, uh, it's, it's warming up. No, it's, it's booting. It's booting, It's yeah. different. Uh, it takes a while, does it? It does. Actually, you know old. what? I said this to the dogs this morning that I didn't quite realize just how slow old White Whale is until I got the Gray Falcon back. Yeah, well, everyone was telling you, you have to uh, name the about, your, about your laptop, but uh, you refused to listen. What else do we got after? How Wish? did I refuse to listen, Jason? Because I have mm-hmm. the Gray Falcon right here. It's like I did listen. Does it tire you to gaslight the audience time and time again about oh. what happens at the Halford and Bruff show? A little bit. Okay. By the way, Canucks won a hockey game last night. Uh, it wasn't exactly an oil painting, as they say, but a 5-4 win over the Dallas Stars. So we will get to all of that coming up but before we do any of that laddie let's tell everybody what happened hey did you guys see the game last night no, no. what happened i missed all the action because i was we know how busy your life can be what happened missed that? you missed that what happened andre kuzmenko mr clutch as they call him scored 48 seconds into overtime and the vancouver canucks defeated the dallas stars 5-4 the american airlines center on Monday night. That was the longest goal review I've ever seen in NHL history. Mm-hmm. It took approximately 15 minutes before they decided, yes, good goal, it's over. Canucks somehow win that game. I thought they were going to call it back, too, because I'm so confused by all these calls. Uh, you know, whether, whether it's possession at the line or goalie interference, usually I'm just tossing a coin, and sometimes I think the NHL is doing that, too. Yeah, the Canucks uh, won 5-4 in overtime last night against a very good Dallas Stars team. Uh, it was kind of the anti-team tank where the Canucks probably did not deserve to win the game, and yet they won the game. The ultimate tank game is obviously like you want to see guys play well, 
Uh, you want to see a good team effort, and you want to see them somehow lose. It was the opposite last <laughs> night. Although, well, I, I will say uh, there were some very good individual performances, which we'll get into in just a bit. But just to set up this game for you, the Canucks went into the game without JT Miller, Ethan Bear, Oliver ekman Larson, Mikheyev, Luke Shen, and of course the rest of the injured group like Tanner Pearson and Travis Dermott and Tucker Pullman. They had multiple, multiple players on IR. Their six defensemen were Quinn Hughes and Tyler Myers. Yeah, we expected them on the team earlier in the season. And then uh, Kyle Burroughs, Noah Juleson, Christian Wallanen, and Guillaume Brisebaugh. I mean, it's not, it's not funny. I shouldn't laugh, but... That's that's hilarious that we're not even at game 60 of the season. Four of those guys were not expected to be in the NHL this season. Well, I guess Burroughs maybe, but not three for sure. Not not in the role he's in right now. Their four centers were Elias Pettersson, yeah, good. Nils Amon, Jack Stanika, and Atu Ratu. Three of those guys were not expected to be with the Canucks this season. Two of them, I challenge. Half of the Canucks fan base to even know who they were heading into the season in, in well, three of them, really. That's fair. Nils <laughs> Amon, Jack Stadnika, and Atu Ratu. Stadnika fan base that was out here. So, again, of course, the Canucks won 5-4 in overtime. I mentioned some really solid individual performances, and it starts with Thatcher Demko making his unexpected start. I would say I thought I thought he was gonna I thought he was gonna back up a game before before he was th- he was thrown in there. I thought he needed s- some more practices. Uh, regardless, uh, he was in there and he looked good. And we can probably play some audio from Thatcher Demko uh, coming up in just a few minutes. But uh, he—it's he, funny because he allowed it. He allowed four goals on uh, thirty-eight shots, which puts his save percentage below nine hundred. But the 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 dominance that Dallas had the amount of high danger scoring chances that they had the the look of Thatcher Demko I think between the pipes last night people felt confident and he felt confident and he looked good uh new bow as I call Anthony Bovillier had two goals and the assist on Kuzmenko's winner in overtime that was Kuzmenko's 28th goal of the season uh, Petey was blocking shots out there. Yep, and I think Sat had it uh, had the stat out there. He's got he's now got the third most blocked shots among forwards in the NHL this season, which is really impressive. And I think it goes to show that shot blocking is a skill, and that you just you have to know where to be on the ice. You 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 have to know where the net is on the ice when you're facing the other way. It really is a skill. Mm-hmm. Um, Kraftsoft debuted and nobody noticed him. He played eight minutes and fifty three seconds. No, no one noticed him, and and I think that listen, we'll we'll give him a pass because we're such nice guys here on the Halford and Bruff Show, and we never criticize anyone. We'll give him a pass in that he was in a new role with a new team. I'm sure it was a whirlwind few days for the young Russian, but that was the knock on him with the Rangers that he would be out there and he just wouldn't do anything right that was they were always <laughs> waiting for like the potential to be Just, unlocked he's like kind of like that meme where you're like poking him with a stick and like do something come on anytime now anytime i honestly now. did not notice him at all like i had to text prop like did you is he playing like i, I noticed I, ratu more than him and yes, ratu, well, ratu only played like he only played ratu only played like six minutes ratu four minutes and 22 seconds oh is that ratu, it for ratu, ratu? yeah 422 yeah. okay 
And it was, but he got his first ever NHL assist last night on the Pod Colson goal. Uh, the individual players I forgot to mention, I should have mentioned Quinn Hughes because he has been terrific. Um, well, pretty much all season. I think Petey and Hughes have been better under Rick Tockett than they were um, under sure. under Bruce Boudreaux. And that says a lot because Petey, for sure, was unbelievable under Boudreaux. I think he's been even better lately. Uh, I think Quinn Hughes was good, but not great. Earlier in the season, defensively, he struggled like the rest of the team. Uh, I think he's been really, really good uh, lately, and he was awesome last night. I think you highlighted all the right individual performances, which is really what the game was kind of about. Like Collectively, they didn't play great. They had a bunch of guys that barely touched the ice. He had three forward, four forwards, if you include Sheldon Dries, that played less than 10 minutes. So it was really about um, Pedersen, Blocking shots and doing stuff. Nils Oman got 20 minutes last night. And, you know, talk has been very complimentary of him. And, of course, the biggest individual performance of them all, Thatcher Demko. Talk it was hugely, hugely um, supportive and complimentary of what Demko did last night. I think in part because of the situation. Mm-hmm. Like like you said, you're not even going to let him back up a game before he starts. And it was... And then he caught everyone off guard, including maybe even Thatcher Demko. He spoke about the nerves, Jason. You know what I really like about this clip is... He talked about peak Demko, bubble Demko, and how the nerves were kind of similar for him going into last night's game and then when he played in the bubble. I can only surmise that bubble Demko is back, and that's really exciting three days out of the trade deadline. But here now, now Thatcher Demko on the nerves from last night uh, after a 5-4 win over the Dallas Stars. Well, I mean, there's a little bit before every game, but uh, definitely heightened in a situation like this. Um, It kind of reminded me of, uh, you know, the bubble a little bit. you know, I've been skating for the last probably month and um, just haven't played a game. It was similar to the, to the bubble situation, so just kind of leaned on that experience. And definitely uh, it took pretty much everything I've learned over my full career, both mentally and physically, to, to kind of get ready for this one. And, um, you know, the win is just it's, it's great. So the Canucks have one more game before the trade deadline, and that is Thursday at home against Minnesota. Friday is the trade deadline. That's March 3rd. And then Saturday is the home game against the Leafs. It is a 4 o'clock start against the Toronto Maple Leafs. It kicks off this Minnesota game, a six-game homestand for the Vancouver Canucks, Minnesota, Toronto, Nashville, Anaheim, Ottawa, and then a return engagement with the Dallas Stars. So some interesting teams, some good teams coming in, like Minnesota and Toronto, and then some winnable games against Nashville, Anaheim, Ottawa, and I guess Dallas, because the Canucks mm-hmm. so easily handle those guys. Um, so uh, I do want to talk a little bit about the trade that they made yesterday in that Stillman is no longer a Vancouver Canuck. We hardly knew ye. Uh, well, we got to know him, and it didn't go well. <laughs> the relationship um, between Stillman and the fan base and Stillman and, I don't know, good defensive play was not particularly great in Vancouver, and this was a good job, this trade by the Canucks, to mitigate an earlier trade that did not pan out. I don't know much about Josh Bloom, but I do know that he's only 19, he's a forward, Yep, and he isn't taking up valuable cap space. That's his biggest attribute right now. (laughs) So hopefully he turns into a player... Uh, Halford and I will always admit that we're not the biggest prospects guy, guys. Um, you know, I, I, I've, I've read some decent reviews of this guy. I don't think he's a blue chip prospect, but he might be something. 
Uh, so the Canucks will put him in the in their system. And Sat, sorry to jump in, but Sat figured he he slotted in as around the fifth or fifth fifth or sixth best prospect okay. in the organization right now. Um, let's revisit the fact that the Canucks did not play with JT Miller last night. Um, was this percolating? What, where was this when we were uh, when we were on the air yesterday? <laughs> See, where, where was this? It started. I can't keep up. We came on the air. And it started with sort of dueling reports on Twitter from Shana Goldman, the athletic and Rick Dollywall on Twitter, basically saying we are coming to the understanding that JT Miller is going to be scratched. Shana posited that perhaps it was TRR trade related reasons. Mm -hmm. Then Dollywall reached out to the agent, Brian Bartlett and said, this is an injury thing. Then a minor injury, minor. It it went from being, is it TRR to minor injury to eventually by the time we were off air and in bed around 1030 in the morning, uh, (laughs) (laughs) it eventually came out that Miller was going to be week to week with a lower body injury. So the Canucks for the first time this season played without JT Miller last night in Dallas as he was sent back from the (laughs) brief one game journey that they took down to Dallas. So, of all the weeks for this to happen, of course, it's the week of the trade deadline. Uh, Just with all the smoke around JT Miller for, like, what, the last year and a half or however long. I I still have so many questions. What specifically is the injury? When did it happen? How long has it been bothering him? Um, How long is it going to keep him out? If the games were important... Would he be able to play? Should they just shut him down for the rest of the season? They've shut other players down for the rest of the season. They're clearly uh, not valuing wins like they would in a normal season if they were in an actual playoff race. Um, And frankly, it's hard not to wonder if we're hearing the whole story on this. Given all the smoke around Miller and also the trend of teams sitting guys for trade-related reasons, you know, I have to think... Uh, and I'm not just trying to stir things up here. Even if the Canucks did um, intend to trade Miller, I'm not sure they'd want to announce they were sitting him for trade-related reasons. Sure. Given the long-term contract he's got. Like, let's say they, you know, it's, it's a way different situation than, say, with Luke Shen. If a trade for Luke Shen falls through, you're just kind of like, ah, oh, it's unfortunate. It's it's fallen through. If mm-hmm. it, if, if, if the Canucks said, well, we're, we're sending JT Miller for trade-related reasons and then a trade fell through, then it's like, well, that's very awkward. He's signed with the team no, for you know what? multiple more years. Um, and, and it's just it's just my natural skepticism. Some would call it uh, cynicism, but yes. it's my natural skepticism that all of this happens, just so happens, on the week of the trade deadline. Now, some people, you know, you know, like, like, and and there wasn't an obvious, there wasn't an obvious injury that we saw from JT Miller. And I know Patrick Johnston with the promise was like, I was chatting with JT Miller on Saturday after the game. He seemed perfectly fine. Yeah. Satin Bick on the post game show yesterday. were suggesting that it might've been in a Edmonton game a few weeks back. Um, And so that, that was one of them, but regardless, I don't think, um, your natural inherent cynicism is off here. Like sometimes I think both things can be true. It doesn't benefit the Canucks if they were to even explore this, however unlikely it is, because all the insiders now are saying it's incredibly unlikely that Miller gets moved. But I don't think it's wrong to suggest that um, putting it under the the cloak 
or the banner of injury makes a hell of a lot more sense than because here's the other thing I was thinking about when I saw mm. this. I what happens now because we're kind of in this uncharted territory with TRR sitting out people because of tur trade related reasons, tank related reasons. Right. Well, that's that's the other part of it. Um, what happens if one of these trades doesn't come to fruition? Because it's very possible that Chikrin or Gavrikov or I guess maybe even Luke Shen. Oh yeah, doesn't get especially moved. Luke Shen. I would. Can say. you just unring the bell and be like, "Hey, welcome back." Yeah, we we removed everything from your locker, so that's awkward. But we'll get it back. Like, yeah, I mean, well, we've seen that happen. Not, not maybe not for those reasons, but we've seen like uh, we watched a player on Saturday play for the Bruins in 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 Jake DeBrusque, who looked like he was out of the Boston organization for years. Like, right. and now he's back, and things are better. So yeah. relationships can be mended. There's always awkwardness in these situations, and sometimes that awkwardness lasts a little bit longer. Uh, at any rate, when it comes to JT Miller, it sounds like the teams that were calling on Miller that we heard about, and this is uh, per Elliot Freeman, were looking for a serious bargain with JT Miller. Like, it's, I think it's, that's it's, what's happening right it's now. It's pretty <laughs> obvious the Vultures are circling the Canucks. They're, they're wondering if the Canucks are going to have a fire sale. Uh, they're hoping to get players for pennies on the dollar, and they're probably calling up uh, the Canucks and going like, you know, I've... JT Miller seems to be trending on Twitter a lot. Is there <laughs> is there something going on? You know, they're, they're probably thinking like, can we get this guy and can we get you to retain? And like, can we, you know, there are probably even people that are like, is it so bad right now with Miller? Can we get a, a sweetener or, or, or something to, to take this contract? There's people are just because you're calling the Canucks about a guy doesn't mean that you're like, I've got three first-round draft picks that I just really badly want to trade sure. for JT Miller. Um, so, it, you know, I'm not surprised to hear that people are calling on JT Miller. I'm also not surprised to hear that there aren't great offers for JT Miller. That's what happens around this time of year is you go vulturing. And the other part of it is you see how the deadline unfolds and then you do a read and react scenario. Like Part of the reason that teams might be calling is because the market dried up real quick in terms of impact forwards. Like, who else is out there right now that's drawing a ton of attention? Ryan O'Reilly's off the board. Timo Meyer's off the board. Vladimir Tarasenko. Patrick Kane's already pretty much gone. It just hasn't gone through yet. Mm -hmm. So if you're looking around, you have to start going to, well, what about this guy? Or how about that situation? And in this particular case, you're vulturing. You're looking to pick the scraps off a carcass, essentially. I hate putting it that way, but that's kind of what they're doing. Do we have the audio from Friedman from Donnie and Dolly yesterday? I know you plucked this because uh, it, this was about, I don't know, an hour after we had fallen asleep again, 1030 in the morning. So this was when the news of Miller going week to week with a lower body injury had been out there for a bit. And Friedge kind of gauged what this all meant what it meant for potential suitors, if those were any real suitors or just sort of curiosity calls. Here's Elliot Friedman on the JT Miller situation as of yesterday. Nine days ago, two Saturdays ago, I went on the air and I said, teams are calling uh, the Canucks and, they, and they're saying, look, if, if Miller is, if you really do want to move Miller, what are you willing to do for it? Okay. And the answer I got from around the league was, that they didn't want to do what it took that and i understood it like one of the teams indicated that it was going to be very painful for vancouver to do it and it doesn't make any sense for them where in their in their current position to do it if that's the way it's going to have to happen so i think it was 
extremely unlikely that Miller got moved at this deadline and nothing that happened in the last 24 hours has changed my opinion on that. Mm. It was much more likely not to happen than it was to happen. So uh, we'll see how the rest of this week plays out. Uh, Unlikely that JT Miller moves. Um, Luke Shen still hanging around. Brock Besser does not look good right now on the ice. I got to say, he, I know he scored against the Bruins, but he, he does not look particularly engaged on the ice and, you know, he's been passed on the depth chart by a number of players. Um, and I wonder if the Canucks are going to be able to move him at the deadline. Scott in Union Bay. I like the way you think you should be a producer in sports talk radio. (laughs) Scott texts in, I'd be more uh, suspicious about Demko starting last <laughs> night, days before the deadline, rather than Miller sitting. Looks like they were showing that Demko is fine to the rest of the NHL, really no other need for him to play this season. Yeah, maybe that's why they rushed him into the lineup. It's possible. I'm with you, Scott. Scott in Union, Union Bay. Bay. I like the way you think. Uh, other other places in the NHL, um, I just want to mention quickly, we're going to get to Greg Wyshynski soon, but McDavid scored his 49th and, most importantly, 50th goals of the season last night in a 3-2 loss to the Boston Bruins. It was 3-2, right? Is that that the way it finished? correct. Okay, I just wanted to make sure. Goals by Thomas Nosek, Nick Foligno, and Pavel Zaka. Right, and then McDavid scored both the Oilers' goals. Uh, The Edmonton media really wanted McDavid to talk about how proud he was of reaching 50 goals so early in the season, but he was uh, not into it, not into bragging because the Edmonton Oilers lost. Um, He's got, and I'm talking about McDavid here, he's got the Art Ross... Rocket Richard and Hart pretty much wrapped up, right? Yeah. I, I mean, you would have to really talk yourself into any other Hart Trophy candidate. No, no, no. He's, uh, yeah, the, the, you really have to talk yourself into it. He's going to win. Knock on time. wood, barring an injury, he's, he's going to win all three. He has has hundred, anyone, has okay. anyone, just let me go. Yeah. Has anyone in the last, uh, since the Rocket Richard Trophy was introduced, has anyone won all three in the same year? I don't think they have. I know back in the day, if the Rocket Richard was around when Gretzky was there, like it would have happened that season when he scored 92 goals, I think would have got him the Rocket Richard. And he won the Hart Trophy like nine out of 10 years and won the Art Ross a lot. So I don't think anyone's won all three in the modern era. Correct me if I'm wrong. Listeners, text into the Dunbar Lumber text line, but it's looking like it's going to be quite the individual haul of trophies for Connor okay, McDavid. Okay, I think this you're right year. because in the last two, 20 years, only two players have won the Art uh, Art Ross and Rocket Richard. That's the scoring title and the goal. Yeah, because right? normally it's the well, it's a goal scorer's like Ovechkin that's not going to pile up the assists. Exactly. Right? So he won. He did it once. He won mm-hmm. the both trophies, and Aginla did it almost like. 20 years ago now, yeah. and neither of them won the, the Hart Trophy that year. So. Uh, the Leafs made a trade. They are very much all in. Uh, they bring in uh, McCabe and Lafferty from Chicago. I liked this quote from Kyle Dubas here. Just being a fun matchup and being fun to watch isn't good enough for us. We need to win. That is some old school hockey man talk. Coming from Kyle Dubas, uh, these Eastern Conference playoffs are going to be awesome. Yep. Not just for the hockey. I think the hockey is going to be brutal. 
but also talented. Like I'm talking brutal in a good way, like brutally competitive. You're going to have some serious high stakes on the line. First round matchup between the Leafs and the Lightning. If the Leafs lose this first round to the Lightning and assume they're going to play the Lightning, there's going to be big changes in Toronto. I'm going to make the big prediction here that, uh, one, I'm going to get behind this because I want it to happen, but two, I, I have the feeling that Tanner Janot is all of a sudden going to be like the thorn in the Maple Leaf side. <laughs> and the, there's going to be a new reason why the Leafs get dumped in the first round, and this year it's going to be the agitation of Tanner Janot. Or he's going to hit someone or he's going to fight someone. And that's my prediction there. But that series is dead-bolted locked in. Yeah. And, and here again... Um, when you say playoffs, I'm super excited about the playoffs too, but I'm so much more intrigued by the Eastern Conference first round. Oh, yeah. The West will be good. West Don't will be get me fine. wrong. But it's so clear right now that six of the top 10, seven mm-hmm. of the top 10 teams are all in the Eastern Lightning, Conference. Leafs, Rangers, Devils. Yeah. It's, it's, it's going to be incredible. Um, and by the way, there is talk that the Canucks could be somewhat involved with the Leafs because the Leafs still need to shed some salary um, unless they want to just keep Matt Murray on LTIR until the playoffs start. Um, Frank Cervelli was talking about maybe the Canucks being involved in a, in a Kerfoot trade because the, the Leafs need to figure out something. They need to shed some salary from their roster. And I'm wondering if a Kerfoot deal – could be maybe where Luke Shen is involved in a deal because there has been talk about Luke Shen to the Leafs. This is the best of Halford and Bruff. Download the full show through Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the best of the day. Halford and Bruff. Did we just get the most shocking text into the Dunbar Lumber text line that we've ever received? I haven't even seen it. Uh, no, you have seen it. Oh, it's that the, one. The text where it goes, you guys never talk enough about defense. <sighs> 80 to 90% of your conversation and media conversation in general in Vancouver is about forwards. We don't need forwards, continues the texter. The Canucks need a stay-at-home Scott Stevens to stop leaving our goaltenders out to dry. That was signed by Puckluck. That's the the texter's name is yeah. Puckluck. I, I I'm not I'm not trying to I'm not trying to make fun of this texter. If that's the way he's heard the conversation, maybe it's because we've been talking about all the forwards that have been kind of coming into the mix in Vancouver. You know, they just got crabs off, so we were talking about him. We have talked a lot about forwards this this season, but the major underlying issue with this team is the defense. But I think we talked about it so much that it just became like. What else are we going to say? White noise. Right? Like, like what, what else are we going to say? Like, it's a very, very, and what I replied to this, you know, texture, it was, it's like, it's a very, very, very difficult problem to solve. And it's why we talk about rebuilding. And Thomas Drantz, who we're just going to talk to in a few seconds, talks about rebuilding under, like, a lot of the time we're talking about these forwards coming in and it's a bit of a rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic thing, right? Sure. Uh, Until they get some more defensemen in the door, um, it's going to be very difficult to improve this team. I'm still blown away at the fact a text to the Halford and Bruff show said, you guys never talk enough about the defense. Yeah, I've been talking about the defense for like, how long have I been in the media for? Feels like a thousand years. Yeah. 
I'm talking about the defense. Yeah, just it. You always constantly, 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 constantly. and for good reason because uh, apparently you need a good one. You I need a good unit. I, as I often do, I try and t- turn the frown upside down. I look at this as a positive because it means I think we might have gained a new new listener. Puck right. Puck, yeah. Puck probably hasn't been listening to the program that long. <laughs> Let's go to the phone lines. Thomas Drance, Athletic Vancouver, joins us now on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. What up, Drancer? Gentlemen, good morning. Should we do a talk about question and just be like talk about the defense just to make Puck Luck feel better? I don't I don't know if that's good radio, but he's certainly not listening to us for that. So. No, I'm, I'm going to ask Drancer about uh, another favorite topic, uh, weaponizing cap space. Drancer, do you think the Canucks are going to be involved in some way ahead of this trade deadline in facilitating trades, perhaps the Patrick Kane deal from Chicago to the New York Rangers? That'd be great. That'd be great. Um, you know, We'll see. We'll see. I've definitely heard some rumblings that the Canucks have been trying to get involved in that market. Um, you know, n- not nothing that I'm reporting or, or that I felt strongly enough to like write an article about. Uh, and you know, I would. Um, but certainly, certainly, that's been out there. I think the fact is is that they've got a lot of it. Right? They've got a lot of cap space here. Uh, sounds like there's at least a possibility. I mean, Miller, if JT Miller is week to week and there's five weeks remaining in the season, um, you know, we'll, we'll see, we'll see there if there's the opportunity to add even more, uh, sort of to their LTI pool, as it were, uh, Oliver Ekman Larson, I, I think is worth thinking about in, in, in the same way. And then of course, just with Mikheyev and, um, Tanner Pearson on LTI, which moves that have been done weeks ago, you know, there's probably about seven million the Canucks can go into LTI, and yeah, I mean, using that cap space creatively, and and I know Patrick Kane feels like the last really big domino, high salary domino to fall, but we haven't seen any defensemen move. Cap space is super tight. The NHL, according to Chris Johnston, just circulated a memo being pretty stringent about <laughs> teams acquiring players uh, if they're not going to be able to bring, you know. Um, certain guys back onto their roster prior to the playoffs uh, that, you know, would, would appear to indicate that, for example, if a team like Toronto wants to activate Matt Murray and get him some tune-up games before the playoffs, which feels vital. Yeah, it feels considering like Considering you're going to ask him to yeah. outduel Andre Vasilevsky. <laughs> um, you know, uh, that could mean that a guy like a Kerfoot or an Engvall shakes loose. So maybe you're not involved as a third-party broker. Maybe you're taking a guy, a pending UFA, who could actually help you, right? Like, I, w- I would put Engvall and Kerfoot, both guys who I think could play center in a pinch. Um, Kerfoot, who I actually like at center, and, and Engvall I, I, I see as a winger, but I think he could play center. Um, you know, the, do you take a 20-game look at those guys um, if they're willing to pay you? Uh, you know, far be it from me to s- suggest strengthening this team in any respect over the balance of the season. Uh, but, you know, uh, I, I think that those are items that the Canucks will and, and should be considering. And, you know, I, I mean, I, I just look at this and think realistically between Shen and 7 million in cap space. And those are the assets that I'm focused on as the clock ticks down toward the, you know, March 3rd NHL trade deadline, because I don't expect them to really be able to move the guys with like expensive term remaining. I just think that's going to be too hard to do, but, those are the two assets remaining here. And I think it's fair to look at that and say, man, you know, 
if we're going to look back and say the Canucks did really well at the trade deadline, you'd really hope they'd find a way to add at least three more draft picks here. Is it going to be any easier this offseason to move the likes of Brock Besser or Connor Garland or any of the other problem contracts that they've got? Because I feel like we're all just assuming it's going to be easier, but is it? Are we? Is, is anyone assuming that? I feel like I a mean, lot of people are like, that's an off-season thing. Yeah, so, you know, w- w- the reason I really liked the Riley Stillman trade, right, was that Riley Stillman joined a very select group of players with money committed beyond this season who've moved since the Canucks moved Bo Horvat and the market got going. Uh, one's Anthony Beauvillier, and I think there's an argument to be made, despite you know the fact that he played a tremendous game last night and has, has performed well for the Canucks. Like I think there's an argument to be made that as the market is formed, you know the, the Canucks may have um, misread sort of the value of taking on future salary in, in assuming that deal. Otherwise, you've seen Nino Niederreiter move to Winnipeg, uh, a little bit of a different situation because Winnipeg can't really recruit unrestricted free agents. Yeah, they've got to trap do- them there. Yeah, and they view term as a plus <laughs> in a way that's pretty unique around the league. Uh, Nikita Zaitsev, who obviously a team paid for the privilege to take. Jake McCabe, who was at $2 million with the team retaining. And Riley Stillman. Like, the fact that Riley Stillman is on that list, you got to doff your cap to Patrick Alvin and Jim Rutherford there. I, I, you know, it's a, it's a relatively inexpensive cap hit. And I, I want to note this, too, like, don't be surprised. I just I, I'm going to dwell on this one at, at length. So excuse the digression, gentlemen. But I want to make sure that Puck Luck is happy with the amount that I've talked about the defense. Um, Riley Stillman. Don't be surprised if Riley Stillman ends up being pretty useful for the Buffalo Sabers. And and I, I say this because of you know the following main reason in Vancouver paired with Tyler Myers. I I almost think that Stillman was put in like the worst possible spot for the type of player he is. And, and the type of player he is, is he's a physical guy, but he's not like a dynamic puck mover. And he's not really like a high defensive IQ shutdown guy either. And to be totally honest with you, that's kind of Tyler Myers' profile as well, right? You, you put them together and you don't really have like the escapability in terms of moving the puck. But so you what, also what do they have... do well then? <laughs> You also don't have the defensive conscious. What, 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 what can Riley Stillman do well? I mean, I think Riley Stillman, what he can do well, it potentially is eight minutes lower down the lineup if he's got the right type of defense partner. And that's either a, a defensively aware guy, and the Buffalo Sabres have guys like that in Matias Samuelson and Ilya Labushkin, or ideally a guy who's you know higher defensive IQ but also can move the puck and the Buffalo Sabres also had that player in spades, whether it's Jacob Bryson or, you know, one of their younger guys. So, you know, I, like, I wouldn't be shocked if, and, and this won't take anything away from this being a good trade for where the Canucks are, but I won't be shocked if Stillman ends up being a pretty useful piece for the Sabres uh, over the life of the deal that they just acquired. I just think that that team's way better suited to use him uh, whereas I think all of his flaws were exacerbated on a Vancouver defense mm-hmm. that also has his flaws, right? Like it, it was, uh, I, think, I just think it was a bad fit overall. Um, sorry. And what were we talking about before this? I, I really drove myself into the ditch here, gentlemen. I'm going to need a lifeline. I, I, I can't even remember what we, we were talking yeah. about clearing cap space this off oh, right. season. So and, and is that going to be any easier? Yeah. Okay. So 
it's good that they were able to move Stillman considering the company and how hard it is to move term. Will it get easier this offseason? The reason you're seeing it be so difficult is teams are uncertain, right? There is a lack of confidence in the fact that the cap will continue to go up, 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 right? Like that, that was sort of, uh, I mean, that's the watchword that all fans tend to bring <laughs> out when a team signs a bad deal. Uh, rather concerningly, it was uh, something that the Canucks president of hockey operations himself said uh, only like a month and a half ago. But, you know, you're seeing some real sort of decaying confidence in, for example, the RSN um, space in the United States. There's uh, not just the Sinclair thing, the, the um, Valley Sports thing, but now Root Sports may be affected too. I think that's creating a, a environment where teams are not confident that we're going to see cap growth this offseason or maybe beyond that. And as a result, I think you are going to probably be running uphill in terms of clearing, you know, for example, a $13 million salary cap liability, which is what Brock Besser will represent after the season, or a, you know, still $15 million cap liability like Connor Garland will represent following this season. So, yeah, I, I, do I expect it to be easier to move cap this offseason? It's really hard to tell until we know more about how the NHL and the NHLPA decide to handle it. But I'm not expecting the gravy train to roll into the station anytime soon in terms of cap growth. And clearly, neither are the NHL's 32 member clubs. Drance, should we be skeptical about the timing of JT Miller, JT Miller's injury and week to week status? Well, it's hard not to be considering how it unfolded, right? The Shana tweet. Shana Goldman, of course, on um, on Sunday night, tweeting clearly with some sense that something was going on around JT Miller, right? Tweeting that he wouldn't be uh, playing in Dallas or, or suggesting that he might not play in Dallas, maybe for trade-related reasons. Next morning, it's a minor tweak, might be out a week, um, and then he's week-to-week, according to the Canucks. Uh, that was a pretty, that was like a whirlwind 12 hours for JT Miller's status. So, you know, when news moves like that and in that form, I think it's hard not to regard it with some skepticism, particularly at this time of year. Um, but look, I, I, I'm just going to come back to it. Moving a $56 million salary cap commitment before, Monday, uh, before Friday's deadline, good luck. Good luck. You know, like, mm-hmm. I, I, I doubt it. I, I, I doubt it. And I think you also need to prepare yourself for what a JT Miller trade most likely looks like, even if the Canucks were able to execute it, right? Like does JT Miller get 56 million in free agency on the back of this season? The answer is probably no. Right. Right. Yeah. And if teams aren't looking at that contract as one, they want to sign that tells you, and they're not like, I'm just telling you they're not then his trade value is not going to be at a level where the Canucks are able to do that deal without very publicly making a declaration that, Hey, we made a terrible mistake. Yeah. Um, you know, people God are forbid like, hey, they look. do that. Right. Well, and people are like, Hey, look, like good, good on them from admitting that they made a mistake on Stillman. Um, and, and, you know, I mean, they did like, they very much targeted him. Um, in that deal, obviously shedding Jason Dickinson's salary and, and cap space 
was was a big motivation in the Chicago trade, but they also wanted Stillman to improve their defense, right? Like this was, they paid extra because they were getting off cap and cash, but they also wanted Stillman. Um, you know, if this team is going to move forward, frankly, right? Like that's the, that's one of the lesser mistakes that this club's going to have to face up to. Um, I just don't see a world where this club's going to be willing to do that. Certainly not in the next week, but even this off season, you know, even before the draft, even before that NMC um, kicks in, like, I think that would be a real come to uh, Jesus moment as it were, right? Like that would, that would really require uh, a level of um, directional shift that, that I find it unlikely to believe will occur um, considering that it's going to be the same people making the decisions. There's going to be some interesting dates to monitor um, this offseason, aren't there? Like when JT Miller's uh, no trade or no move clause, I can't remember which one it is, kicks in. But it's also, an MC. It's a full NMC. Okay. But, but also when uh, Tyler Myers' bonus is is paid out yeah and i think that one's like i don't i i don't have this confirmed but when like shortly after the erickson's bonus was always paid in the summer like early in the summer and i think at some point well no i i know at some point um in the betting era the club decided to move most of their signing bonuses a little bit later into the summer, like September, mid September. Mm-hmm. I think Tyler Myers is one of those deals where it's paid, you know, almost like closer to the opening of training camp than it is to the opening of the free agent market, which is, you know, much better for cash flow, like internal cash flows um, for, from a business side, but obviously much worse from a hockey flexibility standpoint. So, how could that affect the market for Tyler Myers? Maybe just if you could explain for the listeners the situation with Tyler Myers with his cap hit and and and, and bonus. Um, well, I mean, once he gets paid his bonus, he'll only have one million remaining in salary. So, presumably, or at least potentially, that would make him desirable for a budget conscious team or a team that needs to hit the cap floor. And there's going to be a few of them, um, you know, over the course of the summer, but. You know, realistically, I think there's a pretty big impact on that type of structure for most players. But realistically, I think for a player like Myers, and given that the way his compensation is structured in the final year of his contract, um, you know, most of the budget conscious teams, like the teams that are like trying to hit the cap floor or or, or what have you, like they're not going to have that cap space spoken for. Right. If it was a player that you were trying to move and trying to like use the fact that their salary is so much lower than their cap hit as like a, a reason why their trade value is higher, that would matter more earlier in the summer if a, a lot of teams are likely to be interested. But I think with Myers anyway, you'd be it, it would be more of a, ca- a cash considerations type trade. And so I don't know that that dramatically impacts things from from a Canucks perspective because I, I'd expect that the teams that might have interest anyway would still have available cap space by the time, you know, I assume, and this is, again, my assumption, his bonus is paid a little bit later in the offseason. Enjoy trade deadline week. I know you're going to be a busy guy, and uh, we'll chat again soon, probably next week, um, and if we're still following this team. We'll see. <laughs> hey, well... You know, one. Can I, I want one more point about the deadline. I want to make. Okay. We saw it. We saw it last night. We saw it last night. Do not forget 
that no team is going to add a difference maker as significant as this team is with Thatcher Demko returning Mm -hmm. to a team that ranks 32nd in the NHL by, by save percentage. We saw it last night, boys. Yep. No, no acquisition this week is going to have as big an impact on their team's quality as the Canucks getting Demko back. And of course that's desperately inconvenient. (laughs) Anyway. Thanks, Strancer. It's always uplifting. See you, buddy. (laughs) Bye. Thomas Trance from the Athletic Vancouver here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Uh, would you like to do some What We Learns or? Yeah, I'm going to do a What We Learn, and this comes from our friends at Cap Friendly. Okay. Um, so a lot of people, I guess, have been reaching out to sites like Cap Friendly and asking about the retained salary rules on a player like JT Miller, who has already signed an extension, but is currently on his you know current contract. So this is what Cap Friendly tweeted out uh, yesterday. Regarding what happens when a player is traded with retained salary and they have a contract extension that hasn't begun yet. The league settled this issue with clubs back in 2013. The retained salary percentage always applies across the current active contract and the extension. So... In the unlikely event that JT Miller was traded this week and the Canucks retained, say, 10% of his cap hit, they would have to retain 10% of his extension as well. So there there it is, folks. And in reality, that might make it tougher to make a deal happen. Uh, We, Elliot Freeman has said already that it's – Extremely unlikely that JT Miller is traded before the deadline. JT Miller has said, I'm not getting traded. So maybe we're going to have to park this one um, until the off season. And I'm sure a lot of people out there would like us to park it permanently. But folks, it ain't going to happen. Now for my favorite part of the show. What did I say? Talk to the audience. Oh, God, this is always dead. 8.32 on a Tuesday. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruff of the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. Uh, hour three of the program brought to you by Campbell & Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell & Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. Uh, my what we learned before we get to the humanoids. So I want to give a, a what we learned about the QB carousel okay. in the National Football League. So I'm going to start with the smallest bit of news and then work our way to the biggest, okay? okay? So the smallest and most recent is that the Atlanta Falcons just released Marcus Mariota. So he's done in Atlanta after a year that nobody will remember. Probably not even Marcus Mariota. More interesting on the QB carousel, according to Albert Breer of Sports Illustrated, Geno Smith might be getting overtures from his former team, the New York Jets. Oh, that's interesting. Because we've been talking about the Jets and Aaron Rodgers, but not Geno Smith and the Jets. Aaron Aaron, uh, Aaron Rodgers and the Jets. uh, Derek Carr and the Jets, apparently. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're even toying with the idea of maybe trying to lure Daniel Jones from the Giants as a sort of like inter-New York rivalry thing. Can you imagine if Geno Smith goes back to the Jets and just sucks? Yeah. <laughs> You're old, Geno. 
<laughs> what happened here? So there's the, the number We've two. We've seen this before. This was a terrible idea. God, it's terrible being a Jets fan. So number, so that's the second one. The most and biggest newsworthy item on the QB carousel, though, is that of Tom Brady. You know where Tom Brady might end up? At open mic night. According to multiple reports. What? Tom Brady is toying with the idea of putting his Fox broadcasting career on hold because you know now that he's retired from the NFL. I thought he just wanted a year off because he wanted a year off. Here are some of the headlines. Daily Mail. Tom Brady wants to launch a career as a stand-up comic. Fan Nation. A goat walks into a bar. Patriots legend Tom Brady considering a stand-up career. The Daily Mirror. Tom Brady considering brand new stand-up career in a last-ditch effort to save his marriage. Why are the English tabloids all over this? Because this is huge. This is the biggest one. <laughs> I'm just picturing that scene from Joker where he's reading all these jokes off a, like a notepad and none of them are landing. Everyone's it, just looking it, at him blank. Is there, a, is there, okay, first of all, there's two, two possibilities here. Number one, mm-hmm. Tom Brady might be funny. Who knows? Number yeah. two is... He's so famous and he's such a celebrity that everything he says, people laugh at. That's possible. He's like, I've been killing he's it for like, the last I 20 years. A, I am on fire. Yeah. <laughs> Every time I make just a little joke, people laugh, like aggressively laugh. And they're like, who does that audience include? He's like, my agent, my personal trainer, the TB12 guy. They all laugh at everything <laughs> yeah. I have to say. Giselle never laughed at anything, but I can win a rack. And then I think the other part of this is... Um, there's definitely, and this is, I mean, it's not sad, sad, but it's a, a point in life that I think everyone comes to when they got to really rediscover what they're about. Cause mm-hmm. for the better part of 25 years, Tom Brady's been about one thing. I don't think it's sad though. When people try to get good at something else, I think that's admirable. Sure. It's just, this is like, I mean, like standup comedy, still got a life to live standup comedy is it's hard. Hard. Yeah, well, so is being a quarterback. Right, but he put 20 years into doing that. Well, the problem is if you talk to most stand-up, stand-up comics, they're like, how did it go at the beginning? And they're like, well, you got to bomb before you get good. Soul-crushingly right? bad. Yeah, like the, of all the stand-up comics, none of them are like, you know what? I've never had a bad day. By the way, so TMZ has the most recent update on this, mm-hmm. and they're clarifying it. Again, these are all anonymous sources, but yeah. their anonymous sources are saying it's not necessarily stand-up comedy that he's considering doing an, a roast for Netflix, and he's going to be the host. Oh, because that's going to be more scripted then. Right. And, you know, like, yeah. I will say this. Peyton Manning, mm-hmm. in his post-playing career- He's has, funny. He's charismatic. He's yeah. funny. Yeah. It's just, it's a, uh, I don't know. Tom Brady never struck me as being very funny when he was- No, it's because he was so earnest yeah. right, in his approach. Yeah. But you can take an earnest approach to being a stand-up comic. You just have to work at it. Also, putting a multi-million-dollar contract on hold for a roast—I don't know. Something doesn't seem like it's sitting right. There must be some good jokes. (laughs) He's like, I cannot wait to tell these. So there's your QB carousel roundup for the day. Moo cow that. This is the best of Halford and Bruff. Download the full show through Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.